You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman. This podcast is my story. It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. I'm laughing at the sound bites in your intro. I hadn't really paid attention to those before. Those are very cute. <laughs> Thank you. My favorite movies. Yeah, uh, no, those the are movies good. that spoke laughing. to me as a woman. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Renee Steelman, the host of She Became Visible. And I am thrilled today to have as my guest, Rebe Rebecca Biblioteca. I feel like I should say that with some kind of Italian. Re Rebecca Biblioteca. I don't know. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Rebecca, and it's absolutely exhausting. Um, her, her bio, Rebecca is a mother of three boys, co-founder of the Good Book Club, a virtual reading group for post and nuanced Mormons. She is the co-host of Mormon Media Reviews with Stephen Pinecker. She is the leader of the Mormon Stories Book Club and creator and co-host of Mormonish podcast. She is living a joyful life on the other side of Mormonism. She has a master's of library and in information science from Brigham Young University and worked for many years at the BYU library. She and her husband, Tom, also founded a youth theater program that is in its 19th year. Rebecca loves the theater, reading, film, spending time outdoors, church watching, and iced coffee. <laughs> and can I say, Rebecca, except for the love, it, it, it's not that I don't love books because I do love books. Um, but I, uh, until the invention, the invention of audiobooks, I probably was not able to read as many books as I wish I would have. Um, but give me a, give me a good plane ride and a, a, you know, a beach trip and I could get a book down. But other than that, I was busy raising insane children. So, but with the advent of um, the invention of audiobooks, I am now like, I can, I can honestly say I devour at least one book a week and I love it. So I'm impressed with your biography. The only question I have is how does a librarian slash theater lover, I don't see those two coexisting. I just see that grumpy, quiet person shushing people and and just avoiding all contact with real life that's the that's the stereotypical yes. librarian and with you hair are, up in a bun with the yes is that yes 
and you are nothing like the stereotypical librarian. Well, maybe that's why after a decade or so, I ended my career at the BYU library and went on to do something else. So yeah. You're that, like, get me yeah. out of here. I got to talk. That is very true. So. I got to talk. And girl, are you talking? Let me tell you, you are. And I have to say, I found you. Um, I found you on Stephen Pinecker's uh, podcast. Okay. And I don't know if I ever remember anything that you said because I was just so in, in, in just, I could not take my eyes off of you. Your smile, your energy, you're like this happy, happy, bubbly person. And I just was like, wow, I want to be like her. I want to be happy. I want to be just, just joyful. You just come across as such a positive energy. That's what I'm Oh, That's so nice of you to say. Although I guess that doesn't do very well on the podcast if no one's listening to my words and they're just like, well, that's true. And obviously <laughs> I was, I love, but I knew, I knew if Stephen had found you and was embracing you, that you right. were an amazing thing. And so, and you are, and I also, um, I'm loving your book club and, and I, and can I tell you, I'm not, a, I have, twice joined a book club and twice went to one meeting and then left. And the reason was because a, I don't like fiction. I usually, re I, I love historical fiction, right. but I really prefer biographies, autobiographies, you know, historical things. Cause I am fascinated with how things happen and real people function. Um, so I went to this one book club and the first book was a fiction book. And I read it. And so we, we were all sitting around and these ladies were like dissing the characters. And I was like, um, you guys all know they're not real, right? They don't they're, exist. They yeah. don't exist. And so we don't really need to get on her case that much because she wasn't a live person. You know what I mean? And I just couldn't handle the emotion that was being put in these characters right. instead of just talking about the storyline or, right. or, you know, where it came from or something like that. So um, I, I've never done, and plus I don't like being assigned a book thing, especially the last three years while I've been deconstructing. Of course, I'm obsessed with, you know, Mormon history and I don't want to yes. read anything else, you know? Yes. So I'm just now, you know, coming out of my other skin and, and going, I think I'm, it's ready. I'm now doing just world history. I'm now doing like, well, okay, I'm done with this. And, and, and I'm, and I'm done with the new Testament with Bart Ehrman. And I think I'm ready to delve into Roman civilization. You know, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. No, and that's a, that's a trajectory in the good book club that I started about two and a half years ago. That's exactly what it was. At first we were, we'd always sample our members. What would you like to read? And, and it was a lot of post-construction Mormon books. We were reading Rough Stone Rolling or yes. things like that. And then as we went along, exactly what you said. Now we're reading philosophy, history. Science. Today you actually attended and it was a yes. science book. It was a book on yes. astrophysics, you know. Some would say, what does that have to do with Mormonism? Well, the Good Book Club, it's through the lens of Mormonism. So, you yes. know, we're learning everything about the universe. And then we're also discussing, well, when we were growing up, what did we learn? You know, it was mostly the biblical creation. So there's a hybrid there that just makes it fascinating and so interesting. So I think your trajectory sounds very similar to what a lot of people are on. They want to move on and read everything, kind of a re-education process. Absolutely. It honestly is, if you ever saw the, uh, oh, golly, now it's getting right, the, what was the <laughs> Tina Fey uh, storyline where the girl was kept in a bunker and oh. she, yeah. <laughs> And I feel like that's what's happened is that somebody let us out of the bunker yeah. and we're walking around going, 
Wow. What? <laughs> you mean what? And so, like you said, even today, it's like, I, I'm not a Neil deGrasse, you know, fan. I'm, I don't right. really, but listening to your book club, I was like, wow. Yep. If anybody ever, I can now go, oh, I know what you're talking about. That's what education is all yep. about. You, you know, you get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And now you're like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh yep. yeah. I heard something about that. And so you, you can contribute, you know, exactly. And you're free to explore whatever yeah. it is you want, because I always felt like within the church, you did a lot of reading, but it was very controlled. You know, oh, it was your yeah. lesson manual or it was your patriarchal blessing or it was your come follow me. There's a lot of reading a lot, the scriptures, right. but you may not have time and you may subtly not be encouraged to explore some of these other things that may, like you said, just unleash and open your mind. Exactly. Now, one of the things that you mentioned today in the book club, and first of all, um, I tr let me see if I can find this. I'm, I'm going to try something new and different. Let me see if I can, <laughs> let me see if I can do this because I want to show, I tried to, uh, but I couldn't get it to turn into a, um, uh, a PDF. So let me see if I can, if I can find would like to whatever. Okay. Nope. Okay. Let me see. Nope. Nope. And there, oh, can you see that? Let's see. No. Oh, no. you know what I do? Well, do No, I don't. I see. Okay. Something. I'm not sure. Okay. Oh yes. It's over here and I can't get it to go bigger. All right. Oh, well, that's probably what it is. All right. I we'll practice with it later. I my reading glasses on. To see. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a sample of your podcast with the mormonish.org. Oh, okay. And it's very, it's beautifully done. And I also wanted you to talk a little bit about that and you have a co-host. And um, so tell me a little bit about your, your podcast uh, your, your, uh, book club, you can join on Facebook. So it's the good book club, right? It is the good book club. That's and right. And you find that on Facebook. Yep. And, and I do want to tell people that it, 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 there is primarily ex Mormons or nuanced Mormons on this book club. But as you mentioned, the subject, the books are going to be exploding into, very diverse areas. So exactly. don't be afraid of Mormonism is what we say. Right. And I, one of the gentlemen mentioned, um, uh, I forget how he phrased it, but just again, the being the ability to open our eyes into mm -hmm. even scientific explanations yeah. for things. It, it sounds yeah. so stupid. You would think in 2023, you're like, what? You had to get permission. Yeah. You're like, yes, yes, we did. No, like you said, in a bunker, right? Yeah. yeah. People don't understand unless they do understand. So Right, right. But one of the things that you said was that your father is a nuclear physicist. Yes, that is true. Your mother yes. was also a, what was her? Um... Master's in zoology. Yes. Okay. All right. Scientific. Zoology, which means we're yeah. doing biology. We're doing yeah, creation. Yeah, yeah. We're doing genetics. Yeah. And you grew up with a biblical understanding yes. of the creation. That's that exactly blew right. my mind. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yep. It blows my mind to this day. <laughs> and the only thing that I, and they're, and they're still living and they're wonderful yeah. people. And the only thing I can attribute it to is just um, compartmentalizing, you know, that okay. part of their world was scientific. And then they never used those same criteria that they were, you know, in their professional lives to scrutinize maybe some of the other organizations they were a part of. Wow. But yeah, it's compartmentalization. And I think we see that it is very interesting. <laughs> and I think what I loved about that the most was that um, people assume that if someone is well-educated, mm -hmm. uh, highly trained, mm -hmm. highly respected, that anything that they believe in is 
doctrine. And, and, and of course, obviously I'm using President Nelson as an example. The man's a heart yeah. surgeon. He's a renowned heart surgeon. He knows life, you know. Yeah. Uh, if, if he, obviously he has to be the prophet, he's a heart surgeon. Right. And it's like, it's like I get, and I also see from that same logic, people who feel a little bit, um, angry that they think that because they do have a testimony and a belief of a fundamental religion that people think they're stupid. Yeah. And so there's those two educational things. Right. It's like, Okay, it is hard to believe, but on the other hand, there are nuclear physicists that probably talk to other scientists and go, "Are yep. you stupid? Do you not see this?" I mean, it's it's just a confirmation bias and a you know yep. compartmentalizing exactly yep. what you said. But it really is. But but at least what they did give you was an encouragement to get educated. Absolutely. That was absolutely completely emphasized in my home. And that's true. But as I also mentioned in book club, when I would, when I would go to school and learn some things and come home and talk about it, then there was always more of an, a, a church kind of a spin put on that. So, you know, okay. make sure that you learn, but then you also have this other side of it. So, and I can see that. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I, I love the book by rabbi. Uh, I think it's Karchner and he is a rabbi. He obviously believes in God. Um, but he doesn't believe that God is, uh, he doesn't believe in the everything happens for a reason theory mm -hmm. because he believes that God is our creator. He created the earth with natural laws. Right. And so everything that you were talking about today in the book club and, and even, some, even some of the people said, but God made this happen. Yeah. So, you know, so you can still go back to that. You can still mm -hmm. have a belief in God and still go, God made yeah. the, the big bang happen or whatever. Exactly. But I, but what you said, and this is where I want you to start your, your story, but you said, I've always been a critical thinker. And I think that comes from your family dynamics that yeah, perhaps it probably does. Yeah. So it's talk about true. how you grew up, you had educated parents, but they also taught you the gospel. Uh, everything went back to a God and, and, but you, you growing up still were times when you were like, eh? Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, so no, about that's that. true. That's very true, and that's why my story I feel is a little different from others. Because I, if you've heard the term PIMO, which was physically in, mm -hmm. mentally out, I feel I have been PIMO since birth. I mean, honestly. So I don't have those shelf-breaking moments. I don't have that kind of a story because I was raised in such an Orthodox Mormon way, meaning that you know, no television, homemade Ooh. clothes eating food storage, the church was the center of all social interaction for us. You know, we, we were mainstream Mormons, but very, I call it Orthodox Mormon. That's yes. kind of my own little term, but somebody that's living it, you know, to the exactly. degree kind of a thing. And I think that because, I don't know, just for me, it was so extreme. I just never really uh, was on board. I was mm. in it. I did everything. I attended all the time. You know, I was raised in it. And, and there were wonderful times and I never thought twice about everything I was doing because I think, and maybe this will make sense to some of you, but some of you, it might, I didn't really know I could do anything else. Um, um, being raised as a young woman in the seventies and eighties church, which was actually really fun for me, you know, great activities, great friends and everything went to BYU, married in the temple. I just, even though I never really <laughs> was on board or believed it, I didn't know I could do anything else. Right. Which is, I don't know, can you at all relate or understand? I can 100% relate to that because, like I said, there were, I remember even before 
the COVID happened and, uh, and you had time to listen and do other yeah. things. I, re I remember saying to myself, I'm not reading the Doctrine and Covenants anymore. Th this mm -hmm. is, th something's off here. It just, yep. every revelation seems to enhance Joseph Smith's life somehow. And it was so, it, I, and I couldn't get past Martin Harris conveniently being like, hey, I just received a revelation. You need to uh, finance your farm. Yep. And hey, I just received a revelation. Everybody build me a house. And I, I mean, even then I was like, I'm just not going to yeah. read this anymore. This isn't, but like you never occurred to me yeah. that Joseph Smith was, uh, it just, it, it, it's that cognitive dissonance. It's, it's yeah. where you're like, this doesn't make sense. Right. I'm feeling a little con man here, but that can't be true. So we're just going to move on. Yeah. We're just going to move on. And that's yeah. the proverbial shelf, right? Yeah. No. So you but, do, you can relate to that. And I always found ways to be on the outside of it, even though I was uh, in it, you know, like, showing up after a sacrament meeting was over, but pretending I'd been there, you know, wasn't oh. the to talk, oh, you know, and then rush, rush off to my primary calling. The theater, you know, that's I, where your theater comes that's in. The <laughs> I did not want to do it. I did not want to be there, but you know, family's in, everybody's in, and I just didn't know how not to do it. And then mm -hmm. I think I reached a point, and honestly, I believe that it was age related. I was 55 when literally one Sunday morning, I woke up and I just said, and at that point, I was a primary pianist. I had pretty much just relocated myself to, I'm like, okay, I, I don't want to teach. I will play the piano. I enjoy that. I'll be there with the kids. That's fine. You know, like this little tiny corner in the church. But I woke up and I just said, I really don't want to go. I don't want to go back. And I almost gave myself permission as a 55-year-old woman finally to say, you know what, you, you can not go, you know, yeah. you can control your own destiny. I know it sounds really silly and oh, it especially no. probably sounds silly to younger women, but yeah. it was very different to be raised in the 60s, 70s and 80s church. You just had a different mindset and you didn't understand that you were in control all the time. So I made that decision. I sent a friendly text to the primary presidency. I said, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to be taking a break. And literally the next week, COVID happened full. So it, uh, you know, nobody really knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that worked out really that. well. I yeah. know. I know that it wasn't just COVID as it was for so many people that, that I had that epiphany moment where I kind of right. took back some of my power and control and just said for once, I'm just, I'm just going to do something that I want to do. So, right. and then of course, COVID get everyone the chance, you know, to step back and to relax and, and, and that's kind of how, um, so then COVID is happening and I start getting involved in um, post-Mormon social media just to see, well, what are other people that have left doing? And I noticed that a lot of them were reading like what you described and they were posting about books they were reading, you know, and I was reading and I had my background in librarianship. So I started making posts about books and then somebody, just a random Reddit stranger said, well, why don't you start a post-Mormon book club virtual? You know, all of us are languishing at home with covid why don't you start a book club? And I said, well, okay. And I didn't have any idea how to go about it. Like the whole virtual side of it, I'm not super techie. Right. Right. And, right. but then some other people on Reddit, again, strangers started chiming in. Well, Hey, I'm really good at running, you know, zoom oh. meetings and I can host this and that. So this wonderful oh man named Bruce uh, Christensen from California said, I can help you with that. And then someone else said, well, I like to correlate data and put together lists. Oh. I help you organize books. And that turned out to be Landon Brophy, who became, the, these three are pretty much the co-founders. And then I'll tell you this, this is interesting. There was another person that was instrumental, you know, messaging back and forth and helping set up the book club. He's never been able to be able to attend or be a part of it in two and a half years because the rest of his family 
wife, children oh. are in the, so he could never do it. Isn't that funny? So there's like yeah. the shadow co-founder, which, which really tells, speaks to everyone's story, right? Some yep. people just can't participate. So we got it off the ground two and a half years ago and just invited everybody virtually. We, you know, post things on post-Mormon social media and say, come read with us. And it's just been absolutely amazing and completely fun. I think on our roles, we have, gosh, about 350 members. And, right. and like we saw, we'll have like 30, 35 people that Zoom in because it is second Saturday. We do right. ask people to give up one Sunday a month. Yeah. And we understand that's hard. So yeah. you definitely, you know, come join us as you can. And some people simply like our reading list, you know. They like, to oh, yes, they can't necessarily, you know, attend for various reasons. One of our first meetings, um, a woman zoomed in and she seemed to be in the dark kind of. And I said, well, hi, nice to meet you. And she said, I'm in my closet, literally in her closet. She said, my husband is getting our kids ready for church. And I, I just wanted, I need, I need some, you know, someone, a community. I need some help. I need, you know, and we were just like, oh, oh my gosh. So we feel like we read and we just love to get to know people and embrace people and help them at whatever point they're at. And so it's been right. really, really, really interesting. And so because Landon, my co-founder of the book club, um, and I like to just talk about different stuff and different issues, we thought, well, it'd be fun to start a, a podcast talking ah. to people who are maybe nuanced Mormons or post-Mormons who are doing wonderful things on the other side of it. You know, you hear a lot about the trauma and that's extremely real. Right. But also you hear about people that are thriving, you know, in a wonderful right. way or have sort of focused their energies on something specific. And so we created Mormon-ish, um, living a joyful life on the other side of Mormonism. And Mormon-ish means, this is, this is our huge philosophy, is that we're all still Mormon. We may be yeah. post-Mormon, but we right. are, we were raised Mormon. We were culturally Mormons. Our parents right. are Mormons. Our children are Mormons. You know, I have a child right. on a mission right now. So we're all still part of the community and right. can all be together and, and get along. And that's, and so we have just wonderful guests on and we're, we're small. We're just starting, you know, we're just learning how to do it, but, but it's, right. been, it's, it's had, we've gotten a good reception and good feedback. And so you know, it's just been really fun to try to give back to the community. And that's kind of kind of like what you're doing, right? Exactly what you're doing. It's well, it, it, yeah, I really want uh, and I love that you there is a time and I do have so much admiration for these women who at the age of 30 or 33 yes. oh uh, and are able to go, wait, yes. what? And I do think it's a generational thing. And I was just trying to find uh, because I was listening to a Mormon stories episode and John had just um, interviewed um, a doctor that has just written a book on um, uh, nonverts, you know, that Christianity and people that have never had a religion or right. are leaving religion. And um, and why can't I find it? Every time I turn on my stuff, it automatically pops up. But of course, now it's not ever going to pop I'm up. I'm that way too. Scrolling through yeah. my phone. I know I have this. I know. I know. I it's like, I would just let's say to it for Pete's sake. Every time I try to turn it on, it just, you know. But anyway, he was saying, and this was fascinating to me. He was talking about uh, the eras and where Christianity fell in the eras. And obvious, and also, and this is what was fascinating about it. I got to find it because I got to give this guy credit for his work. Uh, he was talking about, and it reminded me of the, uh, the idea that uh, the Mormon church is an American church. Absolutely. And so much of the thinking, the programs, the correlated materials, everything is based around American thought, American everything. And so he was saying how 
the idea that, um, okay, so it was Dr. Stephen. All right, Biblioteca. Uh, <laughs> Bullyavant, I, I think it's Bullyavant, B-U-L-L-I-V-A-N-T. Yeah, that sounds right, Bullyavant. So he, but any, so he's written this book, Nonverts, and he was just saying how the Cold War in America and the Cold War in England was completely different because even though the baby boomers, my generation, the 50s and the 60s were just like this amazing era in America, right. they were still rebuilding in England. People were still going over rubble in right. the 50s and the 60s. Yep. And so it wasn't as, it wasn't as, um, the whole World War II was not looked on as oh this atheist who didn't have didn't have God in his life uh, became a, a dictator who killed uh, you know yeah. ten million Jewish million. people you know yeah. I mean he it, no no it wasn't looked at like that it was completely differently ideal it's just it was amazing so I'm just saying that those of us that were raised in this different era and in American Christianity. It was a totally different concept of, yeah. of every family and our roles, our gender roles and everything. And so, you know, it's some of us older people, like, and I'm old enough to, you know, babysat for you, you know. <laughs> oh, we, I don't think so. I'm a yeah. boomer, actually. I'm the very oh, is that right? Okay. Boomer. Yeah, my, my children remind me all the time. And I oh. have a, a younger son and he says, okay, boomer. And I say, well, yeah. okay, zoomer. And then yeah. <laughs> will we ever be able to relate? The boomer and I the know. boomer, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there was a, a thing where you you played your role um, your family, sure. but one of the things he said, he, he was on there with Nemo, but one of the things Nemo oh. said, which I loved, he said, you know, Americans, they all, they all came from a, a different part of the world and they're so proud of where they came from. And he right. says, it's so annoying because they just have to tell you I'm from, my ancestors came from Scotland and they're like, oh, we dear. don't care, yep. you know, but they're trying to find a culture. And right. so we find our culture through, I'm a Mormon, I'm seven mm -hmm. generation Mormon. Yeah. That's my culture. It's yeah. not just, it's my food. Yeah. It's my, my hymns that I sing. It's my dentist and my doctor. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's the Costco that I go to that has, you know, food storage that doesn't, they don't have that in Ohio. <laughs> and all the you Mormon know? books in the Costco because it's, a yes. Costco, yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's more, and then, and I love what this Stephen guy, he said, you know, you never see like an anti-Anglio yes. uh, English church podcast yeah that no. people were like i don't care what whatever i mean you know unless you know anyway anyway it was very interesting but yes so we we even though i do not go back seven generations my husband's does though his mother right. was an orson hyde uh you know pioneer descendant and right. so she, he can claim the generations back not me no i not no I, we're methodists we're just good old methodists so i don't have that culture i also never lived in utah Right. Uh, but I have to tell you, I am sitting here at this desk looking out. We, we had to come to Utah for an event and I'm looking out at these beautiful mountains mm -hmm. uh, and I'm just like, okay, this place is beautiful. I have it to say beautiful. it is, it is no, beautiful. And that's why I, I own the word Mormon too, because I have many great memories of growing up as a Mormon. Oh, I have a yeah. great love for a lot of things about it. And now right. I'm just doing something different. I've moved past 
that part, but that's still my heritage, my culture, yes. the people around me are still involved. And so I feel like everyone can coexist. I right. hope. You know, and so you mentioned that you kids. have a, a son on a mission. I do have a son on and, a mission. And then your other two sons, where are they at in their beliefs? Um, so I have three sons. They're all young adult. My youngest is 18 on this mission. So my oldest um, is actually one of the reasons that I started maybe looking at the church in a different way. Like I said, I was just kind of sailing through, not really believing, trying to kind of just like be part of it very culturally and, and having fun with the cultural side of it. But when my oldest son was about 15, um, he, he had a lot of social anxiety, a lot of anxiety being at church because it's so high performance, you know, especially yeah. I live in kind of a bubble inside a bubble inside a bubble in Utah County. Maybe some of you out there know where I'm talking about. But anyway, so there was a lot, there was just a lot of extreme, you know, if your hair was slightly longer, you'd be told about it every cent, you know, just a lot of pressure. Other kids, it would just roll off. But my particular son, he internalized everything and had a lot of trauma around church. And I sort of saw it, but I, you know, kind of blew it off. You're fine. Just go to your class. I'm sure they'll be fine. You know, I, I wasn't really hearing him. And then one day I came home from church, he was 15 and he was sitting at the kitchen table and he was crying. When a 15 year old boy is crying, there's something wrong. Like yeah, he started having a panic attack and he said, mom, oh I just called me in. I had to go to a bishop's interview. I can't talk about this stuff. You know, he was having those invasive questions and he was just, he couldn't do it. And that moment, sometimes it takes these moments to just go whoop and the eyes open. And I said, oh my goodness, to myself, I said, I think I'm going to have to choose between the mental health, the physical health of my son and the church. And instantly mm -hmm. I said, Oh, you do not have to go. You don't have to go back. I said, you can go to activities if you want. Your friends are there, but you do not ever have to go on Sunday again, if you don't want to. And he was just like, really? I mean, he probably <sighs> never imagined that I, you know, and, and I can imagine there are some parents that would not say that, you know, yeah. unfortunately, but I instantly saw the damage. It just really, really showed me right there at that moment. And so then, you know, he would go to some activities, but he would stay home every Sunday. So then I'd be at church and I'd be like, oh, my little guy's at home. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go home and watch some TV with her. Something. So I started taking a little bit of step back just to be with him, which is a very legitimate reason. Right. You know, absolutely. Want your alone. And so. So, yeah. So that kind of gave me a little space. And I started seeing, huh. Now, my middle son, church worked extremely well for him. He had an incredible experience. He's a return missionary. He's as active as can be, you know, in a, in a singles ward and he loves it and it works perfectly for him. So that's great. So I, like a lot of people have a variety, right? I have an older son that's been out since he's 15. And then I have, you know, the two that are, are very much in and we okay. all get along as a family. There are certainly things that we don't talk about a lot together because we all understand that we have different points of view. Right. And so, but, but I think, I think we do a pretty good job of just, you know, all getting along together, but I know family dynamics are just rough. And I hear some right. stories that you just shake your head and it's so tragic, you know? Right. Right. But I, don't know, I also haven't faced, I haven't faced, um, none of my sons are married yet. Yeah. I have, I have not faced the, will my more active sons when they marry and have children, you know, what will, and grant, you know, what will that be? Will they, don't go to grandma Rebecca's house. You know, yes. she might have a mug of tea. I mean, do you know what I mean? I yes. mean, making light of it, but it's not, these right. are real issues with so many people. And I, I have not reached that point yet. So maybe I'm just in a happy little plateau. Right. Maybe yeah, there may be more coming, I think. So, right. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I do think that everybody, huh. I don't know why I have to learn things the hard way. I mean, it's kind of like, wow, can't I just read a book and, and accept these things and, and right. grow from the, no, no, I have to actually no, experience, have to experience it. And then, it. <laughs> yeah, I get hit over the head. But because it wasn't until I left the church 
um, that my second son, who like you, uh, like your son, he was a much, a much more invert, you know, introvert mm -hmm. and um, always had one really good friend. And he never was a big crowd person. Um, he did track you know, so it wasn't a group thing. It was a, right. it was a, a let me On go do this. Right. Yeah. And that was his personality. And then when he um, went off to college, then we were like, all right, we're, you know, you're all right, go to Oregon state. You can go to Oregon state, but you got to go to church. Be sure and go to church. Well, he wasn't going to church. So we're like, well, now you got to go to BYU. I'm sorry. Oh. If you're not going to church, then you're going to have to go to BYU. And we forced him to transfer from Oregon State to BYU. And I did not understand the college system. I did not understand that he lost over a year of credits, that he was, you know, majoring in international business. He had won the, you know, future business leaders of America for the high school uh, in state competition. He was on his way. And, and he ended up graduating from BYU with a degree in psychology because that was where he could throw his credits and get out of there the fastest. And he never, we, we just were sure, we were just sure that if he went to BYU, he would then go on a mission. Right. And, you know, because that's what his patriarchal blessing said, that he would be a leader and blah, blah, blah. And then we've had some family stuff happen lately. And so we've been going through boxes, the children's boxes, their memory boxes and their pictures. And I found all of these acceptance letters for my third son for baseball. If, you know, we'd love to have you come and play with, for us. We'd love to have you come and play for us. And, you know, Virginia, South Carolina, all these different programs. And I wanted, I just wanted to melt because we were, again, we were like, ah, uh, there's no way you're going out to Virginia. You're no way you're, you're going to Dixie College and play baseball with the Mormon kids. And you're going to get, you're going to get a testimony day, gone it. And, yeah. and now these boys, they, they are so wonderful because they're looking at me and they're like, oh, now you've left the church. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you know, now yeah. you've seen the light. And I've been like, you, you know what I could have done with a baseball scholarship, you know? Oh, and I'm just like, goodness. oh, I, and talk about failing as a mother. I'm just like, why didn't I support you in your dreams? You know, <laughs> but you were, you were conditioned uh, and trained to do what yes, you did. The most yes. important thing was not the scholarships or the ed education. It was the spiritual side of it. You needed yes. to make sure they stayed close to the church. You needed to make sure that they had a testimony. You were thinking about the next life, not this life. And we no. all do that or did yes. that. And so yes. it's legitimate what you did. So do you, do you apologize that to them or what uh, do you say? I mean, is it just kind yes. of funny? That they're, and they're, they're so wonderful. Cause they say, Oh no, mom, it was great. It really taught oh. me a lot. I really okay. learned, you know, and oh. you could always find your tribe. I mean, he went out to BYU and found an entire tribe of guys that were there because his parents, their parents oh. made them go there. And so, you know, he followed all the rules because that's the way he is. He, you know, he shoved his hair underneath his, you know, hat when he graduated. So they didn't yes, see his do. long hair and, you know, and he got out, got his degree and got out of there. And he's, he is a successful businessman in spite of his mother, you know, but it, 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 it a performance religion is toxic. Yeah. It is so toxic. And I, I need, I'll go on this in another podcast, but what it does is, is, it's not benign. It is not benign when you're living a performance type of religion. Now, I love one of the things you said, though, because, you know, there's that saying out there that the only people that tell the truth are drunks and children. <laughs> tell the story of how your kid outed you. Oh, yeah, this is true. So my youngest son, um, he hadn't he 
pretty much primary age, just kind of gravitated away and did not go back. And then as a senior, you know, he started getting involved with, you know, uh, TBM, true believe in Mormon girls and their families. And, you know, he just reconnected with the church. You know, he, he just got back involved. We, my husband and I did not see this coming. We keep saying, we well, weren't watching the store, you know, but for him, it seemed to work very well. So all of a sudden he starts going to mission prep and to seminary and, and to institute. We're like, what is happening? Yeah. It was really funny, but these girls were so nice, you know, yes. that's a whole yeah. other issue too. How girls, you know, anyway, how they kind of train the girls to, Oh, well, another issue. Yeah. yeah, it is. So but yeah. for my son, it worked and, you know, he had these wonderful girlfriends and their families that embraced him. So he decided to go on a mission, which is, you know, it's his choice, whatever he's going to do. But so we, of course, uh, don't attend our ward, my husband and I, but he all of a sudden started attending, you know, showing up. So here's this young man sitting like, there alone. Oh, this kid, how's your mom doing? Yeah, no, and I have to tell you, I'm very good and have always been very good at just sort of being around it. I don't know if a lot of people recognize that my husband and I really were not attending at all. <laughs> I think they thought, no, and I think a lot of people Only in Utah. Only in Utah. Yes, only yeah. in Utah. And, you know, post-COVID, oh, maybe they're at another ward or maybe they haven't done this. Or I think I saw them. It just doesn't, and, you know, people are involved in their own lives. So I, I believe that most people did not really realize that I had taken a an actual step away. And so, but now here's my son, who they haven't seen for a long time, sitting there alone. And that makes him go, well, where's your parents? So if they were wondering, then they stopped wondering when he started bearing his testimony every fast Sunday and going, so even though it's hard and I'm home in my pit, you know, I mean, he's so cute. He's just our son. Yeah, exactly. No, he didn't do it intentionally, but yeah, it was very funny. So we were kind of outed and then we definitely noticed, you know, that people treating us a little different because in their defense, they don't know what, you know, they don't know, you know, how you are or what you are. Are you are you really angry? Are you antagonistic? Are you going to bite their head off? No, I'm not going to. I'm the same person I've always been. Yeah. You know, most people don't know. I've, I've, I feel no different now, I think, than I felt yeah. since I was three years old. You know, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. I've always just been around it and in it and just kind of surviving and functioning. So, so yeah, it was kind of cute that he did that. He didn't mean to do it, of course. He was just telling right. his his story, yeah. you know, yeah. and that was it. But I, our ward was so supportive of him and just so encouraging and, and, you know, so happy that he's on this mission. And, and now that he's out there, you know, they're writing him and they're sending him things. So it's wonderful oh. for him. And that's what Mormons do extremely well is exactly. if it works for you, it works so well. And it's such yeah. a wonderful community and they're so supportive, you know, if it works for you, that's, that's fine. So, and that's, that's what I mean by saying I have joyful memories, happy memories, growing up, all that kind of thing, community and service. And, and so that that's fine. And then there's a point maybe yeah. where you're just not comfortable with it anymore. And you, you, you move past it a little bit, but you're still very involved. So the question right. you hear all the time, and I'm sure you hear this too, and on your different podcasts that, you know, how come you can't leave it alone? That idea, yeah. you know, and it's like, because, because it's, it's me, yeah. <laughs> you can't take it out of me. It's in every fiber of my being. Right. 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 <laughs> like say. Well, and it, there is, there are so many, um, just protocol things that, and a lot of it is my generation. A lot of it yep. is the church where these little boys are, are dressed up in white shirts and ties yeah. and suits. For and sure. we, we had a young men and men's advisor that I just loved. He was like a, um, oh, he was the etiquette champion of, oh. of, of the ward. And so he had, and he was the young men's president for a hundred years. And those little boys, they weren't wearing khakis and white shirts. They were in suits. Oh, the he whole made way. it very clear that yeah. you will wear a suit to pass the sacrament. And I will buy you a suit if your parents can't oh. afford it. I will make sure you have a suit. And he made he taught the boys 
to pull out a woman's chair and to stand oh, up in the wow. room. And, and so there was all of this stuff that no longer exists in the, in the world. Yep. And um, so now, you know, as a Mormon, you see people, they dress up, they go, they know how to dress for a funeral. They know how to dress for yep. a wedding. And so you go out into the world and, and even in podcasts, you know, I look at podcasts and I'm like, that was, that was like, Hey, I'm going to go on a nationwide number one podcast and you're in a t-shirt. <laughs> No, I mean, like you couldn't have thrown out a little sweater or something, you know, because that's how the Mormons taught. Oh, no, you dress yeah. up for this. And, even if up. and so there's things like that. And also the niceness, the politeness. Oh, you know, they, we've lost our ability to say, I'm so sorry I just ran into you, right. uh, you know, but you yeah. learn that it, at church. And the other thing that this Dr. Stevens said on, and I don't know why I'm promoting John DeLynn's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> throw it back here, John. But anyway, but he was just, you know, he was just saying how other Christians would study the church and they're like, how do they get these young men to yeah. devote two years? They would actually yeah. like, this is, for, and then John interrupted and said, not only do they convince them to go, but they pay for it. They convince yeah. them to pay for it. You <laughs> they know? pay for it and they go. Yeah. That's right. And so it's always been like whatever, if the Mormons can do it, there must be a secret. We can do it. And now right. that the Mormon church is, is, you know, bleeding and hemorrhaging, they're kind of like, oh, okay. But it is a, a, an absolute, the structure is amazing. It is. it is amazing. But that, okay. So that leads me to, that kind of answers my question before I even asked it. You've <laughs> chosen not to resign your membership. Uh, but you're not just yet. not yet. Yeah. 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 Not yet. And one of the main reasons I think is my parents, they're, they're yeah. elderly and they do genealogy all the time. They're on family oh. search. They go to tithing oh. settlement. Oh. There are these touch points where they would be made aware, you know, yeah. and at this point they really wouldn't understand most of the things that I'm talking about. Exactly. And I'm fine going when I visit them and talking about, you know, all things more, because that's another reason can't leave it alone because your family, you have to know what's going on. So you can talk Absolutely. to your family members, right? You have to. So, so yeah, I, I have not resigned yet. I mean, yeah. I, and someday I may, I don't know. I yeah. think, you know, my younger son who's on this mission now, like I said, he didn't know a ton about how the church worked because he kind of stepped away at primary and came back. And, and during a couple of weeks ago, when we were chatting on the P day, he had all of a sudden learned about what membership records were. Oh. And he, uh, he goes, have you, you know, very concerned, which it almost literally broke my heart. Have oh. you removed those, you know? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And oh, he's like, well, don't, you know, oh. because I'm going to be with you. I know it almost makes me, you know, oh. because now he's learned. And this is the thing now he never thought about it before that he wouldn't be with me or the rest oh. of his family later. Now he's learned that, you know, oh, he's learned yeah. that, that, that in the construct that he's in, he may not be with me. And I said, nope, we will, you know, whatever's next, whatever it is, you know, yeah. whatever dimension, whatever, whatever the afterlife, no, we'll be together. Don't, you know, I had to reassure him, but that just struck me. He did not, he was not aware of that before. Yeah. And on his mission, he has now learned that, yes, that's a reality if mom and dad are living a different kind of life and not doing those things. So, yeah. and it makes me think of missionary work in general, how missionaries will go to a family and say, a family who always assumed they'd be together in the next life and yeah. say, well, no, you won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a giant yeah. takeaway. But yeah, that particular moment was a little, little, uh, you know, emotional. Right. For me. I don't, I, it's, it's very hard to be on that side of it when you know that you're hurting your children just simply by existing and doing what you're doing. And, right. you know, there has to be that fine line, you know, you want to be true to yourself, but you want to be sensitive. You're a mother. So, and I'm sure most of your listeners understand, you know, they're either sandwiched in the middle, like I am, or they're on right. the end of it. And 
every situation is different, but yeah. I just, I think if we all just love each other, there, there's really got to be a way that we can all just exist. Right. And I also know that concern for post-Mormons most of the time comes from love. Just like my son, they are so worried and so devastated that you may not be with them later. It really right. does. It's like tough love, right? Right, you have right. To treat somebody tough now so that you can hopefully, you know, be together later. So I don't know. Yeah. It's dynamic. It's it is an interesting dynamic, and it and as you mature and you go through different experiences in your life, um, you know, we in a future podcast I'll be talking about what my family and I have just gone through. But one of the things I said to my husband is, um, and I have I have noticed this. I mean, he already was getting a lot of sympathy. He is also a true believing member, oh. uh, just a, a wonderful man with a, a testimony that is just basic and true and. And but it absolutely does not matter as far as I'm concerned. He loves me. I could Aww. decide to, you know, tattoo my face and, and he'd go, well, it wasn't my choice, but OK. You know, I mean, he's just so it, it, just example of what love yeah. is. And uh, it breaks my heart for women whose husbands yeah. have deserted a family over yeah. something as simple as a membership in a religion. But yeah. uh, anyway, but. But now, you know, and I'll, I'll jokingly say to him, um, hey, uh, I'll, I'm just going to pop into church with you every once in a while just to let all the widows know in the ward that we haven't brought back polygamy. Yeah, there is that thought. <laughs> back away, you know. <laughs> Protect but, your turf. <laughs> yeah. But because I, and so he's, he's already getting a lot, you know, and he finally admitted to me one day, I'm like, do people feel sorry for you? Because you're such a good man that you, and you've got this terrible wife. And he's like, <laughs> running well, a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, but to the thought that we will not be together as a family, I'm sure right. there are people thinking, that poor man, he's lost yes. his wife, he's lost yes. his child, and they won't be, you know, and, and he'll be Absolutely. with him, but not with her. Yep. And he, and I'm just like, that is the saddest, that is the saddest knowledge, if you honestly believe that, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think that is the belief and that that drives the behavior, you know, yeah. it really is. It's like those, those old quotes where, you know, we'd rather see you come home in a pine box, then do something that would jeopardize your yes. immortal. So, you know, I mean, that's it to the extreme. And, and you see shunning in families, you see, yeah. you know, but, but I, I like to think maybe I like to think that it's just because, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's from a place of love that you really want to, to see. It, them is, again, so. it, it is. And it's a, it's an interesting, and that's a whole nother, like I said, a whole nother podcast. <laughs> all that, of these things are a whole yeah. other podcast. Yeah. Because, because he, he is such a good man. He has a friend who's not a member of the church, but he's really into genealogy. And so he asked my husband if he would look something up for him. So we're out here in Utah. He goes, yeah, I'll go over to the library and ask a question. So this old lady that's over there at the library, you know, he said, Hey, I'm for a friend. I'm looking, I was trying to find this, you know, Irish something. And, and he was, a, she was able to find one little thing, but it really wasn't that helpful. But anyway, she goes, do you think this will convert him? Do you think he's going to join the church? Oh. No. And, and my husband was like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, it's not. He doesn't, he, he's, he's aware he's got lots of Mormon people around him. Yeah, he just know. likes genealogy, he, you know, <laughs> but it's that, that was the mindset, right? You yeah. could not bring in your neighbor's garbage can without going. Did you like that? What, that I want to come over to family home evening? You, want, you think that, you know? So And so it's like, okay. It's that hidden agenda, I think, yeah. that, that Mormons are accused of having. And and I don't think it's even a real thing. I think it's yeah. just maybe just uh, subconscious. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. It's not malicious. I mean, I it's hope. not, hope. you know. Yeah. 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 And I think that's yeah. why, like, when, when people finally figured out that I had kind of stepped away, they didn't quite know how to act, even though 
really, I'm not acting any different, you know, and I've really, yeah. I can remember myself having been out for, for quite a while, you know, but when you're just getting that news right away, you, so you where, where do you fall in your family? Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one younger sister who's three years younger. So it's just, my okay. parents and the two okay. girls, how we were raised. So yeah. And she's, she's a, she's also a very critical thinker. I'd say she's more of a nuanced um, okay. Mormon and she, she's one of the few people yeah, one of the very, actually, probably maybe the only still faithful Latter-day Saint that actually knows where I stand and oh. has actually asked me some very real questions, okay. you know, and we didn't always have that relationship uh, growing up, but as adults, we do. And it's interesting to me when she'll say to me, so just kind of matter of factly, so do you believe in God? You know, no one's ever asked me that. I mean, obviously in the book club, places like that, Mormonish, we talk about these issues all the time. I'm comfortable. I'm in a confirmation bias bubble, right? With my yeah. post-Mormon friends. So we talk about it. But to have my, you know, faithful, true believing sister ask me that, you know, and I said, no, here's where I stand. I'm more agnostic. I'm this and that, you know, she's like, oh, okay, no judgment. So she's an absolutely amazing person. You so know? you don't have to worry about her telling your parents or it's some no, neighbor saying, no, Hey, I saw Rebecca at the grocery store no, and she had on shorts. Like that. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is interesting because I feel there are certain things, certain ways to let your neighborhood, especially in Utah, where everybody's on top of each other. know. one of them is how I dress, right? <laughs> I go to Walmart like this. No, it's a very simple. No, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and like I said, I was very good at kind of covering up for years. I decided to only wear workout clothes. Let's see. After I stopped working at the BYU library, I moved to a new area and came home to raise my little kids. And I was like, I cannot wear, I can't do this anymore with the guard. Yeah. I said, you know what? And I can't, I wasn't brave enough to do this. So I said, I'm just going to start wearing workout clothes yeah. nonstop. I think yeah. a lot of people do that. You know, so I have the short sleeve, yeah. you know, but everyone's like, oh, she's probably just on her way to the yeah. gym from 7 a.m. to 10. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine. Like, wow. You know, Rebe I didn't know Rebecca was a gym rat, but dang, yeah. every time yeah. I see her, she's in that is, that is how I did it, you know. And then after my kids were older, like junior high and high school age, I did go back to work um, kind of part time. And of course, then I'm dressing and, and for everyone's faithful in the office where I work. And so I knew I couldn't wear any kind of a work clothes that would. Right. So I would do this and I know people will judge me and think, gosh, she's living such a double life, you know, but everybody's working, yeah. it, working it out. So I would yeah. wear a regular shirt to work. But as soon as I would get off of work. I would run in the bathroom. I would take that off. I'd put on what I'm more comfortable in this yeah, yeah. and, you know, go on and run my errands. So, you know, whatever that is, being a chameleon, I'm not right. sure, but, but, right. and there, I, I don't, you just can't judge anyone for where they're at or what they're doing or what they're trying to do. Yeah. Everyone's on this path and nobody knows where they've been or what kind of a family experience they have. And so you just, and I've learned that with the book club, just coming in contact with so many people. I had never really met anyone in a, mixed faith marriage before my husband's mm -hmm. always been very nuanced um and now that i gravitated much farther away he's done the same with me but in the book club you know there are literally people like i said the, the closet woman right her husband right. faithful taking the family she doesn't want she can't let him know that she oh. might be involved in some kind of a group and and so i've seen gosh i've seen a lot i've seen your situation where an extremely supportive faithful husband who will just come in and say, Hey, you got your book club today. All right. We'll see you, honey. You know, yeah. you it off to church. I've seen other women who are like, okay, I, I don't think I can stay very long because he'll be home from church soon. You know, it's just, and the opposite yeah. too, husbands yeah. and the wives on the other side. So there's just a lot of dynamics at play. And I think we all just have to be forgiving to each other and, and everyone's yeah. trying the best they can in or outside of the church. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and it 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 did take an outside force. I mean, he did have to go to a counselor, but we, he only went a couple of right. times, and right. he needed he needed someone who was a member of the church, but a nuanced member of the church. And she she works as a counselor in the Arizona area. She's amazing, and she needed him to say to her, uh, "Is that the only thing you guys have in common? Mm -hmm. So you don't share anything else besides a belief in in a religion?" Yeah. And he's like, "Well, no." It just goes, well, "Let's talk about what you have in common. What do yeah. you share?" You know, what do you guys love to do together? And it took that for someone to open up his eyes and go, oh, yeah, wait a minute. That we've got a great life we've built yep. together for 40 years. And all your years, wonderful you know? children. And, yeah. Yeah. and then you just have to be able to kind of let go of the afterlife and go, right. What will happen will happen. You know, exactly. and just have confidence. It's going to work out. I'm going to be right. with the person I love, you know, but right. some people can't do that because, you know, they're very conditioned that it's very, there are very specific criteria to get into heaven or, you know, this let's yes. women be together. And if your family members aren't meeting those, then you got to use some tough love. I have an interesting story from college where I was dating a guy who was iffy about a mission, but he decided to go. And so we went through the whole farewell. We did everything. He went into the MTC. This is in the early eighties, you know, so a very long time ago. And he decided in the MTC that he, it was not for him. He could just tell. And he made the decision. He goes, this is not for me. I'm just you know, it's not that I don't even not believe in the church. I just know that this mission is not for me. I'm not going to do it. And so I was going to BYU at the time. He was in the MTC and he called, got permission to call me. And he said, I'm coming out. I'm coming home. And his family called me right away <gasps> and said, okay, we've disowned him. You <gasps> need to disown him. Don't oh. talk to him. Don't give him money. Don't <gasps> help him. We've got to force him back in, you know, <sighs> and this is a very loving family of this boy. But right. in their mind, they got to save him. You know, right. something very desperate has happened. His soul is on the line, you know. They didn't blame well, you. No, they didn't blame me at okay, all. That's good, they yeah. wanted to make sure that I also shunned him so that he would have no one to turn to. And being very alone, the only place he had to go was back to the MTC. Right. So I, of course, was like, no, <laughs> you know, no. And I loaned him some money. We helped him find an apartment. He got oh. a you know, midnight job. He struggled to get back into school, you know, and, and eventually just by him being himself and, and going through school and being successful, his family, you know, came around and it was fine, but I'll just never forget that, that it was, it was just kind of like a given on their part. And, and you're going to, yes. you're going to disown him too, right? Cause we are all on yeah. the same page. We need to get him back. And interesting, this guy married in the temple. He has kids. He's an active oh, no. Yeah, Isn't that funny? So that's yeah, it amazing. wasn't, he just, he just knew a mission wasn't for him. And, and that's, yeah. that's okay. But yeah, that was a very interesting lesson to me because I knew the family was a very nice family. I knew they loved him, but the way they showed their love is they had to force him back in. So Right, right. That's so interesting. And I think it's, it goes, you know, all the story, you know, me forcing my kids to go to an LDS college and <laughs> And shunning their kids. These yeah. were all approved, tough love yeah, tactics. This is how these are the tactics that we were yeah. taught and believed in. Yeah. And so, if people do not believe in a cult like uh, program, and you've got to look at the programming that was done, that you went, I will do that yeah. without with your own beautiful children. And I, yeah. it, you know, it's amazing because I'm I'm like you. It's like you know I have. I have um, 
uh, one daughter who is still in the church, extremely nuanced. She knows everything, but she's uh, just got four kids. It's a great way to raise kids. I will is. tell you, you've got little kids, stay in the yeah. church. It's fabulous. Uh, you just <laughs> you got a village, that's for sure. Yeah. You got to really deprogram do. them every Sunday yeah. on a yeah. few yeah. things, yeah. but, but, you know, generally, you know, the boy, the deacon program, they'll find their little buddies anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, and I forgot where I was even going with that, but um, um, your daughter, your daughter stayed in and, and she's yeah, oh, so I like, Hey, if my kids, you know, if my grandchildren grow up and they get married in the temple, I'll be standing outside that temple or yeah. I'll be back at the, you know, reception place doing yeah. their flowers. Exactly. Uh, my, when my grandsons, if they go on missions, I'll be right there. We'll send them money. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, this is great, you know, uh, for you. That's great for you. And they are not, you know, they're not doing anything for me. I mean, at first, when I first got my first tattoo, it was even, it was years before I even left the church, but I was free, right? I was free right, from being a right. grandma, I was free from being a, a, a mom. And we had moved to Arizona and I was like, I can be me finally. Like, I can I'm finally get this. my tattoo. Wow. <laughs> but I was covering it up with my shirts because I didn't yeah. want my grandkids to see it. Yeah. I didn't want them to go, oh, Nana's lost her wow. mind, you know? And now I'm just like, whatever, guys. And they don't care. Yeah. It's no big deal. And so what a blessing. Like you said, I did not grow up in the bubble. I wasn't living in the bubble. Right. Um, my kids are all very nuanced. So I didn't have to experience that. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband wasn't cheating on me. So that was that didn't give him an excuse to yeah. leave. I've just had so many wonderful things that I have not had to experience that other yeah. people have. So, so many you know, for, for people to stand up and and decide to be themselves or whatever. Everybody's story is different. Everybody's trial is different. Everybody's circumstances are different. Like I said, I, my family's all Methodist besides, you know, my little Mormon, the, the few that my mom got to. So they don't care. That's no big deal to right. them. It, yeah, everybody's that makes a difference. Yeah, that makes yeah, a difference really to have extended family and people that, you know, could care yeah. less whether you're in or out and other people just have that pioneer stock going back. Yeah. And, and I always think it's so interesting that literally, I mean, if you, if you wonder what you mean by high control or high demand, it's, yeah. it's an organization that can literally, like you said, make you override a maternal instinct yes. or instinct, you know, almost yes. like I, I call it, I, my husband laughs at me, but I call it the Mormon lizard brain. It yeah. just kicks in at certain yeah. times, you know, when you hear something that you might feel threatened about or, you know, a child or isn't doing something and you just, you do something like that. Oh, we've got to shun him or we've got to, right. you know, you normally wouldn't do that, you know, yeah. you would not do that for your child. But, but again, there's a, there's a higher purpose and you really feel like it's something that you have to do and you haven't thought it through. And I think that on the other side, if people leave, then like you said, oh, why do we send my kids to college? You know, you see yeah. that and you just have to say, I was doing the best I could at the time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very sorry. And, you know, I've met different people in the book club who have different. Like you said, all your kids know where you stand. They know everything, you know, other people. So there are people in the book club that have said, yeah, when I left, I sat my kids down and I told them I'm, I'm leaving. I have reasons and things um, when you're ready, or if you're ready, you can come talk to me about it. So that's okay. what they've said. Right. Other people have just gravitated away. This is more where I am and their kids have no idea why they oh. don't, they don't really understand because they don't even know enough about church history or things that they yeah. can even ask the questions. And so right. how do you even bring that up? You know, right. So these right. People, other people, myself included, are just like, I just, you know, no one really knows why. And then there are people that have said, I sat my family down 
and I read him my own CES letter. You know, I told them every single little, you know, the letter to my wife. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. You know, and I guess it depends on the individual family or what works, you know, but, but those three ways are kind of the ways that I've seen either tell everything, say nothing or say, I have something to say. And if you'd like to hear it, you can talk to me. So it's kind of different. Yeah. And I, I think that's so beautiful. And I love the fact that you explained that it really was, even though you were mentally out because you understood, you didn't, it wasn't enough for you to go, I cannot sit in a chapel and listen to one more talk about Joseph Smith. Yeah. Because no. I know, I know now the some truths yeah. about of what he did. That wasn't that that you also were able to be a critical thinker enough to know, and yeah. eh, we're just gonna skip past that. I'm gonna go. Yeah, play whatever. No, and that's that's why yeah. literally I haven't been going to church for decades. I've hit yeah. out in like primary, those different areas, you know, just because I'm like, and when I say I was raised as an Orthodox Mormon, I'm not talking about polygamy, but I'm talking about i knew all those different things my parents told me those stories my parents told me you will be you know a polygamist in the next life that was explained to me in fact there's a very funny story my husband and i met at byu and when my parents drove down to meet him when it was looking serious you know we were engaged and we sat down at dinner and we were chatting and my mom said oh rebecca i'm just so thrilled for your marriage upcoming marriage. And then she said to my husband, and for you, Tom, of course, this is the only first of your many marriages. <gasps> That's how closely they lived to, wow. you know, the idea and the concept. Yeah. And I remember Tom, my husband was like, <laughs> and I go, I gotta get up and go to the bathroom. I mean, it was like a frontier pies. If you're older, you'll know what that is. And I'm like, threw my corn muffin down. And I just went, because that is the last thing a new engaged oh, person wants to hear yes. it. You gotta think that in your religion that you're in, oh. your spouse is gonna have other, you know, it was just crazy. But you're for my just... parents, it was just fine. It was just wow. what it was, you know, yeah. and so they didn't mean any harm. But yeah, crazy stories like that. And and I have tried to look at things like that just with humor, sort of that yes. kind of gets me through a little bit because otherwise yeah. you are so traumatized you can't function. But yeah, exactly. different things work for different people, you know, because yeah. I'm not making light at all. But for yeah. me but yeah, that moment was funny. And my husband was just like, what, what kind of family am I marrying? Oh, seriously. Do I have to? Yeah, like, does your family know something I don't yeah. know? No, I know. Yeah. Because yeah. my husband's more, I was raised in Washington state. He was raised in California. So he's oh, more okay. like, whatever. I'm a Mormon. Yeah. But, you know, okay. Yeah. Now, no, I didn't mean that. No offense to any California yeah, viewers. Yeah, I, just I don't want to hear any comments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had a we much don't more say relaxed. that. And, yeah, yeah. No, it was a much yeah. more relaxed upbringing. So those things yeah. were not focused on where in my upbringing they were. So it it was just really interesting. But but again, everybody meant well. Everybody was wonderful. They were just saying what was normal for them to say, and you take it yeah. the way it is. So it's isn't interesting. that funny though? I think like Lindsay Hansen Park would say, everything can go goes back to polygamy. Everything, yeah. every oh, doctrine, yes, unfortunately, can, goes back to polygamy. Yeah. And it's funny because when you read the ghost of, of polygamy uh, and you realize that I, I, for years when my girlfriends and I would get together, you know, we would say things like, Oh yeah, that sounds like heaven. I just can't wait to go have 2 million babies. (laughs) Yeah. This is so fun. You know, and we all said that and we kind of were a little bit, I think we were a little bit like, Holy crap. Holy crap! Don't die! Don't die! I don't want to die! Yeah. Don't let or you me, just you know, don't think about it. You block yeah. it out. You just can't, and I, you know. I and my my dad passed away. I said to my mom, I said, "Well, you think he's got his other wives picked out already?" And he said, "Oh, absolutely not! I told him yeah. absolutely not." And I'm like, 
okay, you're a temple worker. You yeah. either believe, yeah. and see, that's my black or and white you thing. Yeah. You either believe it or you don't believe it. And why do you not believe this, but you are standing on your ground on all these yeah. other things that, that they've said to you over the pulpit. And yet, uh, and because I would say 90% of the women are like that. They're like, oh, please don't be true. Please don't be true. Yeah, you just can't you know? think about it. So no, it's no. actually very tragic. And that reminds me of another story. When I did work at BYU, there was a woman whose husband passed away quite suddenly, you know, and we were all trying to be supportive and everything. And and one day, a month or so later, she was crying at work, you know, and so oh. a couple of us went over to talk to her and we're like, we're assuming that she's you know, dismissing her husband. And yeah. so we're like, are you okay? She goes, it's not so much that it's gone. He's gone. It's the fact that he's dating. He's picking oh. out other women. She was dealing with jealousy oh. and betrayal feelings for her husband, you know, completely right. imaginary, you know, but to right. her very real. She really thought because of how she understood it, that since he was now in the next world, that he was picking out women. And that's right. why she was, I mean, I'm like, Oh my God, really? You need to have those feelings on top of actual yeah. legitimate mourning for your husband, yeah. which is what you'd be doing instead of this convoluted idea. So it's a real thing. And I think we saw at that time in conference. Remember, I think it was elder Oaks read that letter, right? You know who that woman was voicing a question that mo women who really understand what the new and everlasting covenant is. It's a real question. You know, what right. about the next life? And, and it was just like, Oh, ha ha, you know, yeah. Yeah. just, just keep, not thinking about yeah. it. So Just don't think, think about it. It's not important. Yeah. But let me don't tell you what you do it. need to think about. You're yeah. not going to the celestial kingdom if you are a uh, gay or lesbian or that. Know. We know. We no, know that know. one for sure. But this one, uh, don't worry about it. There's you know, you know. so many things yeah. like that where it's just so unnecessary that there's so much mental pain and trauma over something yeah. that is not really what you think it is. But right. I don't know. Well, before, so tell me on your Mormonish podcast. Um, do you, do you, what's your, um, because that's a fairly new podcast. Oh yeah. I mean, just, I think, I think we just dropped our eighth episode okay. on Friday. We yeah. drop it every Friday and it's on YouTube or all your regular, um, you know, podcast platforms or also just okay. mormonishpodcast.org. You can find okay. it, but we just tend to find people, you know, that are, that are post-Mormons or nuanced Mormons. And they're just doing really interesting. And for example, the one, the episode that we dropped on Friday, um, it's, it's a post-Mormon. His name is Bill Knowlton. And he started a clothing apparel line called Ally Parent Apparel, which is oh. this amazing clothing to support the LGBTQ community. Because oh. he said when we interview him, he's like, yeah, you know, I wanted to get something because I have family members and some different situations that have come up. I wanted to show support. He's very concerned about like the suicide rates, that crisis and things like that. So he goes, I looked for shirts and things and they were all like, maybe you wouldn't wear it to the office. Huge rainbow, you know, yeah. whatever. He goes, I want to do something subtle. So he created these things that are just very positive messages. Be kind, you know, love saves lives and just very subtle little rainbows. I mean, things that you would wear anyway, but it also has. Right. So we interview him, you know, and tell everybody about this and he's getting all these calls and interest. I'm like, this is so oh. awesome. You know, pay it forward. Right. It's exactly. just exactly this thing is like, if I can wear a hat that has a little message or a little subtle rainbow on it and say to somebody, I see you, you know, yeah. at whatever level you're ready to support. So anyway, guests like that, it's, it's just been That's really fabulous. So, yeah. And yeah. I don't care if we get huge or not huge. I think it's somebody said, why are you involved in so many projects? I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I like what I'm doing. Exactly. I can't say no. And right. so I'm just going to keep doing it. I mean, you're probably the same way, all the different yeah. things that you're involved in. It's just really yeah. fun. And the people that you meet, are just so amazing. So it's I never so want that amazing. part of it to end. That, exactly. Yeah. 
Well, you are amazing. And like I said, I, I have enjoyed talking to you so much. We, for, for the audience, uh, Rebecca and I had to get to know you talk and three and a half hours later, not really. I feel it like we were right that long. Sisters. No, we, we had a lot of similar, are, you know, when you're yeah. a similar age, you have yeah. similar experiences. Yeah, no, yeah. I love it. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. And I, I'm, when I'm reading your bio, I'm like, yep. Yep. I like yes. that. And I like that. And yeah, that's my girl right there. So yeah. And now that we've got a place in Utah and, and I'm meeting so many wonderful yeah. people like you, it's going to be like, I don't need much of an excuse to go. I'm going to go see nope. Rebecca. Yeah. So Let's, we're going to have to do lunch. When yeah. are you So like, when will you be here? Will it be just like, you'll be like bi-coastal, like part-time here, part-time there? Be, yeah. We'll, we'll be here definitely like June, July, and August oh, when perfect. it's when, you know, your steering wheel is melting in oh, Arizona. Yeah. No, we've, our um, middle son served in Arizona on his mission. I had never been there and we picked him up. Yeah. We picked him up on July 31st in Arizona. Oh gosh. Oh, and gosh. I was like, oh. well, like, I'm a person, I tend to run kind of cold. Like I'm always wearing uh, a sweater, even in the summer. So yeah. my husband, my other kids got out of the car and they like fell on the ground in a faint. And I was like, yeah. this is nice. Yeah, I like this. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to switch with you, right? I yeah. go <laughs> That's an idea. That's an idea. Yeah. But other than that, I think we'll just be coming up for Thrive events. And anything, oh, yeah. You know, great. I'm going to definitely take advantage of the, the fabulous things they have here in Utah. Oh, that's wonderful. And, well, yeah. I will tell you, if you have, I don't know if you would happen to be here next month at all, but um, like you mentioned, Steve Kinecker and Mormon oh, Review. I wrote it and, down. Everything. And, yeah. Did you write? Yeah. The, the February 17th. Review February, that happened yeah. on the 13th. Yeah. We have this amazing. Um, at Brewbies in Salt Lake, this incredible um, screening of this amazing documentary called yes. The Return of Elder Pingree, Memoir yeah. of a Departed Mormon. He's an Emmy Award winning filmmaker. He's a post-Mormon and he has made this documentary. It's, it's been out for a couple of years, won many, many awards and um, we're screening it at Brewbies and he's going to be here for a Q&A. It would be amazing if you happen to be in town and wanted yeah. to come. It would be really I think fun. we might be. It's not going to oh. take very much. It's, a, it's like an hour flight from Phoenix. Oh, well, that's not bad then. Yeah. yeah. No, this yeah. is going to be awesome. It starts at six. It's, at Brew it's free to the public oh, and he just, so it's, it's just such a wonderful documentary that we want to make it available to everybody. Oh, so. that's so cool. Fun well, stuff. thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank yeah. you so much. And I will let you know this is going live. It's on YouTube and it's oh, right. uh, on Facebook Live. So okay. it's already out there for those that oh, have found it. There you go. We can't take it, anything back that we said then. Is that what you're uh, no, saying? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's out Everybody, there. <laughs> yeah. That's the bad thing about these live podcasts is there's yeah. no editing. It's like, you oh, say, I, cut, cut. Can you just. My family said, please don't talk about me. And I was like, yeah, but I did. So <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah. Trying to be subtle, trying to be respectful. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So thank your thank your husband Tom and I and uh, I'm gonna drag my husband along. We might have to do a, a foursome somewhere oh, when yeah, I get up no, here. That would be awesome. We'll we get dinner. Love it. Let's that would be so great. Sure. All right, thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh my gosh, is she not amazing? And I'm telling you, I don't know how the woman has time to like shower or eat. She has got so many things going on, and she's just so so positive. She's such a, a positive person. I, I just love it. I'm so glad I've gotten to know her more. So just want to encourage all of you that have been uh, listening and enjoying She Became Visible. Please, if you are able, donate to the Mormon Discussions podcast. You can find it on shebecamevisible.org if you'd like to make a small donation. And I really highly encourage you to get on the Amazon Smile program because you know you're buying stuff from Amazon. And if you get on the Amazon Smile and make Mormon Discussions uh, your uh, 501c3 to contribute to, then you're contributing and you're getting something, uh, you're getting a twofer on that one. So I really encourage you to do that. So thank you for listening and I will see you again next week. Bye.